welcome to Beyond Better, a podcast that explores a simple but profound idea. We all deserve to live lives we love, and that includes our work lives too. I'm Stacey Ennis, an author and longtime location-independent entrepreneur living in Portugal with my family of four. Join me as I talk business, location independence, writing, travel, and so much more, all focused on building a life that is beyond better. Welcome. I'm so excited to be here today with Amy Lafko to talk all about her book and her journey of authorhood. Before I welcome her officially, I want to tell you a little bit about Amy. Amy is a keynote speaker, the author of People First, and, and a guide for those looking to put their people first to create a thriving business. While surprised at becoming an author, Amy's love for People First concepts drove her to write a book that she loves. It's elevated her key, keynote career and shaped the work she does with clients. And today I'm really excited to get to talk about her journey now that she's a year out from publishing her book. So welcome, Amy. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm I'm really excited about this episode because before we hit record, we were chatting about, you know, how it feels when you're right at that early stage. Like even at that point where you're like, maybe I have a book in me, maybe I might want to write a book. And then once you accept that that might be part of your path, then there's all this other stuff that comes up along the way, just that momentum building, getting started. And so we get to reflect on both that journey of writing, but also where you've come in the past year. So I just want to start with this past year, and I'd love for you to tell me a bit about what's happened in the last year since you launched your book. I think the most wonderful aspect has been that writing the book really not only shaped the content of the book, but it shaped my messages so much more succinctly and clearly. Um, I'm someone who is a big idea person and just always throwing things out there. And by forcing myself to put it onto a page, really created so much clarity and that clarity has transformed my my business you know from my keynotes i used to be willing to talk about just oh any anything at all and now it's really clear that there are two aspects of my work and one is people first leadership and one is people first the way you design your business and so that has really done a wonderful job of framing all of the work that I do today. Um, and when it comes to my business and my clients, people are actually seeking me out saying, oh, that people first element. And then they choose what elements they need to focus on. You're right. We don't have clarity about what each role does. And that is a core step. Or we need our leaders to have more of this aspect of people first leadership. And so it's also framed the way I can have conversations with possible clients. It certainly has elevated the keynote speaking aspect because there is a, there's a cachet that comes with being an author. Um, and it's also helped me transform my keynotes from tactical practical to the big idea. Because my big idea is that if you grow your people, you'll grow your business. And 
so to have that level of clarity that I was lacking before has been an extraordinary side benefit that I did not anticipate when it came to writing the book. That clarity piece is so powerful. And I, you know, you, you mentioned that you weren't anticipating developing that. I think that's one of the um, least known things about authorhood that there, there is this transformational clarifying journey that you go through. I think most people think, oh, I'm going to do this really hard thing. And at the end of it, I'll have a book. But I actually think that that journey is just as powerful, if not more, actually, than the journey that that follows with, you know, all of the things that occur as with that published author status. Well, and it's actually the book was the start, not the product or the end. And that's what I've found most amazing about it is that it is it ended up being the start of the journey as opposed to here's my finished product, ta-da. It really became, now this is the driving force behind the work that I do and the way that I serve people and the way I want to impact the world. I love so much what you just said, Amy, because again, as I mentioned, it's such an undervalued aspect of it, this, this journey that you're on. And then, yeah, that book, I always believe, especially with nonfiction, big idea, how to you know, story-based um, books, that it is really a catalyst for the next thing. And, you know, of course you can write a book for writing a book's sake, or you can writing a, write a book because like truly, because it's a goal of yours and maybe you don't have a bigger vision. Those aren't the kind of people that I work with. The people like you that have that big vision and that understand that the book is part of that journey to make that impact. I think that's, it's a mindset that you really need to adopt when you go into the process. It's very true. You know, I have a friend who's written five books um, and she calls them, you know, well-written business cards. They are, um, you know, this big, they're less than a hundred pages and they're fantastic books. I want to be clear. They're wonderful books. They're the kind you can read on an hour flight. Um, and to get a takeaway. And she loves to write. So that works for her. Um, I knew I, I wanted more than a fancy business card. I wanted to really take what my thoughts were and share those in a way that could be transformational for not only myself, but for other people in the way that we view things. And, and that's what it's become for me. And that's why it was so important for me to do do the process and go through my journey the way I went through it, as opposed to, yeah, I can just, you know, dash off something as a fancy business card. Mm, yeah. Just having that intention going into it. And then also, I, I mean, I know, cause we got the joy of working together, but you were thinking, you know, again, it's like that catalyst, you were thinking beyond the book and how does this fit in to yeah. all these other things that I'm excited about. So I'd love to, actually talk about some of those exciting things too. Because um, we got to hear about, you know, that experience over the last year launching your book. But I'd love to hear about some of the wins that you've had since that book was released. Well, and I know that this is a podcast, so not everyone could see what I'm about to share. But like Stacy, if you've ever seen Stacy's office, she has post-its all over on projects she's working on. So I am going to turn my camera and let everyone see my post-it 
my post-it universe. Can you describe um, it, Amy? And that's exactly what I'm going to do. Now it's okay. knowing the podcast. So literally there is a blue post-it in the center that says people first, grow your people to grow your business. And then all the little yellow post-its that are um, planets orbiting this sun of people first are keynote speaking, masterminds, masterclasses, in-person trainings, workbooks, online video platform, um, assessment trainers, coaching, book, and retreats. And at this point, I have been able to fortify the majority of those planets and the other ones are still coming, you know, so the ideas of what are the branches off of my book, there are nine of them. And so far, at least six of those branches have, have bloomed. And that's what I really think of this as now is, you know, the, the trunk of my business, the core of who I am and, and how I want to serve is teaching people and helping them have that big idea of people first in the whatever format they're going to do it. And then those branches are the ways that I use the messaging to reach people. Okay. I feel like I may need to beg, borrow and steal that at some point to describe the outgrowth. I will give you full credit, but I love that concept of this idea of this outgrowth. I mean, I've thought, I've always thought about it like an outgrowth of, of your book, but I love the way that you talk about the branches and the blooming and that you had also, you know, I think not everybody is going to have 100% clarity of what they want to grow, but at least having a, a sense of what that next level of impact is for you and how you want to show up in the world and make a difference and, you know, impact people for you, it's leaders, right? Like being able to help them grow their people to grow their businesses. And for listeners, it might be something different. And it's okay if you don't have super clarity on like, all of your branches, but at least maybe understanding one or two of what are the, those branches could look like and being open to the exploration that will lead you to defining those other branches. Well, and let's be clear, this um, post-it tree universe started as a vision board. Like, wouldn't it be cool if I could, um, you know, have a workbook? Wouldn't it be cool if I could truly become a keynote speaker? Wouldn't it be interesting if someday I can have a retreat around people first? And so they literally started as ideas and vision boarding without cutting out magazines. And that's really all this was. And one of the things that writing the book has helped me do, and as I've hit my anniversary, I've been paying more attention to that um, post-it section and realizing how much of it has come to fruition. And so it's not all purposely plotted and, um, oh, on this date, I'm going to start this, that, or the other thing. It's just these ideas of how I'd like my life to be shaped and how I can really serve others in different mediums. And that's what that started as. Mm. You talked about the book being like kind of a beginning of that journey, right? Like it's, it's, it's spurring the, the things that you just shared with us. Can you talk a little bit about how you put that into motion with, you know, your book launch with some of the other changes that you've made in your business? Because we've been talking about the writing process. We talked about publishing, but I can just, I, as a very practical person, and I know that I have listeners that want to know a little bit more of the practicality, what are some of the other levers that you pulled in your business to help bring these ideas into 
fruition as you launched your book and continued to grow your business? One of the most pivotal things has been hiring um, someone who I hired as an assistant and she has transformed into a project manager. Um, And she is able to um, move all of my projects through so that, you know, I've got the, the idea I've got the outcome that we're looking for. I've got the group that we're working with, and she's able to address all of that project management components in the middle, not my strength, not my skill set, not a lover of details. And so I found someone who really complements that. I think that's been a big piece of it. And the other thing that I was very hesitant to do was to talk about the book. And that for some of your listeners may sound either, oh, me too, or very, what are you talking about? But I was not comfortable talking about the book. Like I just, I wanted to be conscious that it might not be for everybody, but over the year, the biggest transformation has just been able to say, well, you know, in my book or say things like, well, in, you know, the book talks about this, or here's how this could be beneficial for you. And I had a sideline happen with that because I, I'm in a, um, an entrepreneur's group. And when we had to do our introduction, I, you know, I mentioned that I'm an author, um, in addition to the, the business side and that I do keynotes. And it was interesting. People said, Oh, well, what's your book? And I told them the title and, you know, the book is written initially geared towards healthcare, which was one of the roadblocks was you've got to accept, you've got a niche, Amy Lafko. And, the next month at the meeting, there was a, a gentleman who owns a glass and door installation company. And he came to the meeting and said, I loved your book. Like he said, there's a lot of stories in there about healthcare, but it's such good information. He's like, can you come work with me and my team? Mm, and yes, that was, I love that yes. so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he got it and he's in with it. And it's actually deeper for him because it's not like, oh, you're in my field, but he could see the cross application. And so, you know, those are some of the things that I think when you're willing to talk about your book, talk concepts. And when you, when you have this joy of having other people experience the outcome of the work. Mm. Uh, So good. I do want to highlight one thing that you said, which was, um, getting support right in that journey of, of launching um because I think well I know um as a as an American we have I think it's tendency to think like we need to do all of the things by ourselves and we're these kind of autonomous units and also a lot of you know a lot of people writing their books they are in kind of a growth phase where they might just be hiring their first virtual assistant or their first person to even support on publishing their book that can be kind of a mindset, um, a mindset block that can keep you from being successful. A lot of times I see that people will write these great books and then they get into the production stage and they they don't want to put in the investment that they need to time, money, support to really do it right. One of the things that I saw that you did so well is that you understood where the investments needed to go in your project. And to the level that you're comfortable talking about that, I wonder if you could share a little bit about, like, how did you make the decisions that you made? Because, you know, when you get into this journey, it can feel really overwhelming, all of the different investment points in the project. 
I like to remind people that it's not all at once. It's usually over like a couple years, sometimes, you know, a year to two years as you're writing and producing and then launching the book. Um, but then there's a lot of decision points, like where is the best place to spend my money? How do I decide like my publishing pathway? Sometimes they get sticker shock from a hybrid publisher, somebody who helps them actually produce the book and get it to market. But then when they go out to hire, they realize that they can be pretty comparable and you lose that project management aspect. So I want to turn it over to you, but just to share a little bit about like, how did you make those decisions and what, what were some of the best choices that you made along that way that you would encourage other authors to consider in their own journeys? So for me, obviously the first um, decision point was, am I going to take a course? Am I going to write a manuscript on my own and then hire an editor? What are all those pieces? So the, the first piece of the journey, and you and I have talked about this, was recognizing that I needed to hire you and recognizing what format I needed to hire my manuscript development in. I knew, I know enough about myself to recognize that I need to talk things out. I am an external processor and I need to talk things out. I also realized that I needed an accountability partner. And so all of those pieces were part of what drove me to working with you. That coupled with the fact that I just think, you know, you're an amazing person. You brought out the best in me and we had a good time mm -hmm. and it should be a good time. Um, the second thing that was hugely important for me, even once I decided to go hybrid publisher, um, I chose not to use in-house um, substantive content editing. I really wanted someone that I worked with that I chose because that content editor has so much input on your voice and so much input on how the content is shaped that for me, that was one of the most important, it turned out to be one of the most important decisions because when I got stuck on how to rework something, Brooke White understood my voice and understood my message. Some days I swear she understands it better than I do. And the way that she could help me move through that, because the editing process was actually, that content editing phase was the hardest phase for me. Um, and, you know, people say, oh, writing a book, that initial phase of writing was not as intense as the editing process, simply because the editing process is where I have to really refine and get detailed. And I needed someone who I, I selected, who I, Brooke and I are still friends today, and someone that I really connected with who I knew got my voice. So that was a place that I was willing to spend money and invest the time because it was the right person. And it was exactly the person that I needed to help me shuttle it to be ready for hybrid production and hybrid produce um the hybrid publisher for me was purely the fact that I knew I didn't have time to project manage this project I didn't want to interview five or ten proofreaders I didn't want to interview all these different aspects just to get things in place so for me that's the pure reason I went with a hybrid publisher is because I knew someone would project management and, and Trina and Ronnie at page two did an extraordinary job. I mean, Ronnie would just, how are you doing today? Like they, they knew when to help make sure you were on, still on the path with them because they're trucking along. Um, and then for me, I also chose not to use the packaging package from the hybrid publisher. I 
decided to do a marketing um, campaign on my own. And that same thing with that. I, I understand enough about myself that I knew where I needed higher touch versus lower touch. And so that's why I chose help with the marketing. The two things that you mentioned working with the editor to get the book really to kind of its best place before handing it off into production. And then the marketing piece, those are two things that, you know, as you know, we had conversations about this, uh, that, and this is something I'm often getting questions about in general. I think those are really good decisions for most people to get that book really shaped to where you feel is the best place you can take it. Not because publishers don't have skilled editors, they absolutely do. But when you get into a publisher, you're often one of many, many projects that are on an editor's desk and they will do great work, but it's not going to be the same as hiring. I shouldn't say it's not. Many times it won't be the same as working with an independently, you know, an independent business owner whose whole life revolves around their clients. And then the other piece that you talked about marketing, um, I've had clients that have done the marketing with the publisher and that's gone great. And then I've had other clients who, you know, I'll work with them to kind of pull out everything that's not specifically book related. So they might leave in things like Goodreads giveaways or Amazon ads or things that the publisher is probably going to do a better job mm-hmm. than somebody who's not book specific. Yeah. But then we'll pull out those marketing elements that are tied to their business right? That's really more about your brand development, your growth, your vision. Uh, I find that for me too, I want to hold those within my own, you know, my own hands. And I want to shape that. I want to make decisions and I want more uh, ability to like stick my fingers in where I want to, right. And and get hands on. So I love that you shared those. Well, and it's interesting when we talked about the clarity that the book brought me, When I think about the work that Brooke and I did over three months to get that content um, edit done, that really is an important piece of that, that journey to clarity. And yes, I am sure that page two or any editor would, you know, group would have had the ability to edit the book well, but it was that second phase of clarity about my message. And that that next level of clarity with the message. And so that's why for me, it was about finding the person who voice matched, who got my big picture, and then could ask me the really tough questions about why did you put this in this chapter? Doesn't it seem like it more makes more sense here? And if I had to justify my decision, that was a really good push in the right direction. I really like that you're breaking this out for listeners too, especially those who've never written a draft or they're in the middle of it. That first draft is about getting, like making sure that all the bones are in place for your structure, making sure you have a deep clarity around your core message, making sure you have a good plan to write the book, you have deep clarity around your audience, and then you run with it and you get the draft done. And And I think that can be a very freeing feeling when you're getting into that first draft to know that you have space and time to bring it to a beautiful shape that you're excited to share. Most of our us authors, our first drafts, like, no, I'm never, nobody's ever reading this, right? Like <laughs> it is not seeing the light of day, but you get that time to work on it. So it's a powerful stage. I wanted to talk, Amy, about, we ta- we've touched on it a little bit, 
But even going back, um, so we've talked about this year, we've talked about your experience publishing. I'm like kind of taking us back in time a little bit. Um, when you first felt that tug to write your book, what caused you to say yes? So there were a couple stages to this. It always had been in the back of my head. People are always like, oh, you should write a book. And I'm like, sure, whatever. And it was floating around in the back there. And then my first um, block in the chain that became the book process was I was going to a conference where someone I deeply respected and was just in awe of, Ron Price, and the two of you had just published your book, Growing Influence. And I took the step to say, Ron, I would love to talk to you about your book and about how that process went for you. And he had lunch with me at this conference and we talked about it for a few minutes. And so that was the first, that was the first, you know, block on the road. Um, or I shouldn't say it that way. That was the first um, link in the chain because that's what started the whole process was that first conversation out loud with someone saying, I think I want to write a book and then taking his recommendation to reach out to you. And I think we spoke in February and, you know, I said, well, I'm not ready right now. I'm just thinking about it. And it's in the back of my head and things are really busy. So now's not a good time because I also didn't understand what the whole process would be at that point. I just thought, okay, you take a, you know, a couple months, you write a book and then you just wait for it to come out. And so I didn't understand the full path of it. And then the, the next um, link in the chain for me was the fact that when we had lockdown, um, I was fortunate that I was in a situation where I could say, okay, I actually have time now that I didn't anticipate and this is really forming in my head and it feels like the right time. And so that was the next, the next link that actually got the, the chain long enough that I could start to write the book. I like that you started with just exploration and taking small action steps and, and then it germinated and then you said yes. And you embarked on that journey. Um, so if anyone's listening and they're like, man, I've been talking about this book forever, but I haven't taken action. I actually think if that's true, because you might've taken action to join my email list, for example, or follow somebody, follow an author you admire who talks about their journey or listen to even this podcast episode. There are action steps that, that you can take that maybe aren't like sitting down and writing the book, but are, that are building that momentum. So I really like that you shared that. I want to know, um, some of your, you know, in the journey, either of writing the book or getting it out into the world, what was the hardest roadblock or maybe roadblocks that you faced during that process? So one of the, the roadblocks was self-created. Um, actually, they all were. The, the first one was not understanding the intensity of the editing process. And that content editing phase was so important. I did not build enough time into my schedule. And I mean, we're, we're fully acknowledging. I was like, oh, it'll take me an hour a week, maybe. <laughs> or actually, it's just a phone call with Brooke. And then she goes back and does stuff. And so I underestimated that I had to put more than, you know, a nickel into the machine to get out the book. And so 
one of the roadblocks that I created was was not setting enough time aside. And I think, Stacey, you do a great job of laying out like this is the timing, this is your calendar mapping and those things. And I just underestimated the amount of time that it was going to take and that it was going to be more than a phone call with Brooke once a week and that there was actual work that I was going to have to do. Um, So that was the first one. And the second one for me was truly when we got to the marketing phase. I... I'm not someone who is comfortable saying, look at me. Um, And so I had to have a really good heart to heart with Amber Bellhauer. And she just, we sat on a Zoom call for an hour and she's like, look me in the eyes, Amy Lafko, listen to this. Like your message is important. So at some point I had to let go of Amy Lafko has a book and I had to embrace there is this incredibly valuable message. If you put your people first, and if you do it in this way with your leadership and with the way you design your business, it will transform your company. Once I realized that that was actually what we were marketing, not me, but we were marketing that concept and the service it could provide to people, I was all in. And that made a world of difference because then I couldn't wait to talk about, well, here's the way that you can better structure a meeting. Here's a way that you can actually make sure every team member fully understands their work and what it takes to be successful. Here's a way you can improve your leadership by putting your people first, by doing these techniques. Once it became about the message, I couldn't wait to get it out there. It's making me, you're reminding me I need to reread your book because I'm like, I could really use a refresher on these. Uh, It is such a great book, Amy. Um, You know, it's interesting as you were talking about your journey with marketing, um, I faced something really similar with with social media myself. And it was earlier this year, I had a conversation, somebody that I'm forgetting who it was right now. But it really helped me reframe the way that I think about social media. Cause I really had that, that feeling of like, I don't want to just be out there. Like, Hey, everybody look at me. Cause that's not who I am. But w- with this conversation really shifted me to see that if all I focus on is delivering value to people, yeah. whether that value is information, entertainment, you know, um, inspiration, like some kind of value that's connected to my niche, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then like it it actually opens up excitement and possibility. And uh, since then, I've had a lot of fun with my social media. The other thing that I've done that I heard you just say when you were talking about marketing is I got support. I have an amazing woman on my team, Rita, who helps create a lot of the things that were roadblocks for me. So that when I am creating on social media, like I'm making a reel or I'm showing up in stories or something like that, I'm actually really enjoying it because I don't have the pressure of like, I got to do a post today. You know, it's like I get to create, I write all the content, but she helps make it beautiful and she helps get it scheduled and she helps me brainstorm. We had this amazing brainstorming session recently and mapped out our, a whole, you know, our whole month of content. And those, those two things, I think like recognizing the value is the reason, like the impact is the reason it's really not about you. 
Um, and it's the same in like a great keynote. It's not about you. It's about the audience. And then also removing practical roadblocks for yourself Mm -hmm. so that you can really show up as the, the idea person, the creator, the leader, whatever it is that you really need to hold that is your zone of genius. That I think is such a profound takeaway from your journey that I hope people will really latch onto. Well, and you know, I appreciate that. Thank you. And it, it truly is that it is a journey. And I used to get frustrated when I would ask people, you know, how did you do this? Or how did you do that? And the answer was, you know, well, you've got to spend money to make money or, you know, it's, it's all about the referral. And I'm like, but how do you get that started? And what I have realized in this past year and a half, and in this whole process of writing the book, if you do the work, the outcome will, will arrive, maybe not in the moment that you thought it would, you know, when we think back to all my little post-its with different components of my business, they didn't all exist. I just knew that they might be something interesting. And so I just, you put in the work and eventually it's like, well, can you do this? Would you be willing to do an online course for my team? Could you add this in? And it's, it's the rehearsal for the keynotes. It's the continuous prep um, and thought leadership for the book. Those pieces, if you keep putting those in, that's what it takes. And then eventually the outcomes will come. Um, but it is, it's staying in your zone of genius, staying in what you love and what you're passionate about and outsourcing the rest of that knowing that it's going to pay off because you can show up more engaged because you have the energy for all that you're doing and all the messages that you're delivering because they really do matter. They matter to other people and how they're going to live their lives. I love it, Amy. I love it. And I, I remember, it made me think back to, um, you know, you're talking about outsourcing and I could see how maybe some listeners are listening to this and thinking like, man, she outsourced all these things and that must've cost a fortune. And I put myself back when I was early stages in my business at a business conference. And I remember having a, listening to this woman talk about, you know, hiring help at your house, hiring a house cleaner. I was just like, so new in my business. I was making no money at the time. I mean, I was, but it was barely enough. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, gosh, she's so detached. She has no clue what it's actually like to be in my stage of business. And this is so unhelpful. And now that I'm many years later, I'm so grateful that I got to hear that advice at a time, even though I couldn't take immediate action on it. And now that I'm, you know, I have a team, I have a lot of help around the house and in my business even if somebody is listening to this and like, again, we talked about earlier, they're just a solopreneur right now, not just, but they're at that stage. They've never hired, or maybe they've tried, but it hasn't worked. Find the places that are going to remove as much friction as possible, even if it's just a little bit. And that could be life friction. It could be business friction and it doesn't have to be huge, right? You can take those steps that you need to take to like, get that support to be able, and then you slowly add, you slowly add, you keep growing, keep growing. And over time, you'll also see the ROI, like profound ROI. That's the thing that started selling me once I realized 
oh, it's not like I'm just spending money. I'm actually getting a huge ROI on my investment because now I have more time to generate revenue. That's mm-hmm. the piece that I was missing all those years back that I didn't really understand about the advice that I was getting. Um, so anyway, I wonder if you could speak to that a little, Amy, as you, you've grown, you've added, you've, your business has grown, you've added people. What, what would you add to that? Well, I think there's a, I had a misperception that like you either had to hire it all and have this big team or, you know, you weren't big enough to have any help. It was sort of an all or nothing mindset. And for me, the first person I hired was a bookkeeper. And I can't believe it took me a year and a half to hire a bookkeeper. I'm not good at finance. I don't enjoy the financial aspects of the business. I don't enjoy details of accounting or, I mean, and, and my clients got tired of saying, are you going to send me an invoice this month? I mean, that's (laughs) embarrassingly how true it was. And I'm like, Yep, you're right. I forgot to do those. And so one month I was working on my QuickBooks and I realized I spent two days a month working on my QuickBooks. And if I could outsource just that, I got two days of my month back. And whatever I choose to do with them, that's two days a month. And so for a relatively low cost investment, I got two days of my life back and I also got paid on time. I got freedom from thinking about the fact that I forgot to bill somebody or I forgot to do this aspect of the financial side of the business. So that was my first step. And so, you know, it's not about saying, yes, today I'm going to hire something that feels like a luxury. I realized having a bookkeeper was not a luxury. It was a necessity. And so I'm grateful that that was my first step into it, but, and that freed up a lot. It was hiring Jen, my now project manager. That was the big turning point. The amount of time that she saves me and the amount of value that she drives to my clients by making everything seamless. Here's what you need right when you need it. She's always on that level of detail And it makes it a better experience, not only for me, but for my clients. And that matters just as much. And so again, the ROI well outpaces the cost. I like that you brought back to that growth for her too, because, you know, I have um, Catherine on my team started out also in an assistant role like Jen did, and now she's our operations coordinator and so she, you know, in both of those cases, you're able, when people are great, they get to grow with you, right? And I think that's one of the, the great joys as you start to see the ROI, you start to buy into the fact that like, oh, mm-hmm. not only can I not really do it alone, but I shouldn't, I should actually bring other people into this with me. Uh, so good. So good, Amy. I wonder just to wrap up this, like put a bow on this um, episode, if you could share, you know, what are the top top one or top few pieces of wisdom that if you could like wave a magic wand and all new authors would know, what would that be? I think the first thing is to actually listen to the experts. You know, Stacey, you and I had multiple conversations about niche. And then I had the niche conversation with Brooke. And then I had it with Trina at page two. And then I had it with Amber Um, in marketing. And 
just listen to the experts and let go of, you know, that I, there's a saying that we use in writing our keynote scripts and I, you and I might've even used it in writing and it's kill the darlings. You know, there's this, there's this great story I have and it is going to go in the speech, whether or not it makes any sense because I love it. Kill the darling. And my darling was that niching was bad. And I needed to just let that go a lot quicker and sooner than I did. Um, that was, I think, the first lesson that I had to learn. The second lesson is to lean into yourself, lean into the knowledge that you have, honor that knowledge, and know that it's going to serve people the way that it needs to. And that, and that was the second biggest thing for me. And it's that's what's transformed how I do a keynote how I work with my clients, how I show up for, you know, I do free webinars every month. I show up in a way I never would have thought of because I lean into, I do know this and I want to share this and someone is going to get value out of it. And that piece was really important for me. You know, the first time I did my complimentary webinars, I had seven people show up. I mean, I had seven people sign up and I had two people show up and I'm like, great, we're going to have an awesome time. What do you want to talk about? And it's really grown, but it's because I just, I acknowledge that I have something of value to share. It's, it's amazing, I think. And I hope people listening will, will pick up on this, that you, you know, you had those two people show up and a lot of people would have been like, man, that was a failure. You know, only two people came, but your framing was, I'm delivering value and you knew that that would grow and it has, and you're staying that course that I think goes back to a lot of the points that you've made today, which is consistent action over time with deep belief in your vision of impact. Yeah. And, and it is, it, it is deep belief in the impact and knowing that it's, for me, it's about serving others from that standpoint. And you know, it, I'm really grateful for that. And, and it is a journey. I mean, and I've had a lot of wonderful support um, and cheerleaders when I've needed cheerleaders. And, you know, if if your listeners are saying, well, who can be my cheerleader? Oh my gosh, email me. I'll, you know, I'll cheerlead. And with my speaking group, we, and and with the Facebook group for nonfiction books, book school, absolutely. You know, in that nonfiction book school, Facebook group, you can go in there and say, Hey, I need, I need a help today. I need someone to listen to this chapter in my Facebook community for, um, speaking. I can go in and say, I need someone to listen to this section of my speech. It'll take 10 minutes. Who can hop on a, on a zoom call, find those people because it allows you to stay connected to the, why you're doing this. Hmm. Yeah. That community element. And it is really about finding it. It's not going to fall into your lap. You need to, to seek it out and participate in it. Amy, this has been so wonderful. I'd love for you to share with listeners where, well, number one, what are you most excited about right now? And where can people learn more and follow you? So what am I excited about right now? I um, have just finished um, the video recording for my new keynote, um, people first leadership, it's thinking like a leader, the mind of a leader. And that was a really exciting day was to, um, produce that video. And I can't wait till we get to see the final things, but that's because it's allowing my message to get out in a new way. Um, so when I'm keynoting, whether it be 
50 people, 80 people, 500 people. It, it's a way to get it out there. And again, it's that it was the rehearsal process. It was everything you put into it ready for delivery. It's the same idea as when you launch your book. So I think that's something I'm really excited about. And, and the other piece that I'm excited about is the fact that I've got the rest of this year mapped out and I'll be launching some courses next year that have been in the back of my brain, just like my book was. And, you know, they've taken time to, to bloom, but they're coming. And I'm really excited about that. Um, my business side is at this precipice where I really need to take that next big step so that I can continue to grow and serve the way I want to. And I'm on, I'm at that step right now, working through it by the end of the year, that'll all be in place. And then just looking forward to next year, having opportunities to serve and to get the messages out in new and meaningful ways for people. So much happening, Amy. And don't forget to tell our listeners where to find you and follow you. Yeah. So you can find me on the peoplefirstbook.com. That is specifically the book website. That's where you get all your bonuses and things when you purchase the book. AmyLafco.com is where my um, keynote information is and where all my speaking and workshop components are. And then the business side is Karen Consulting Solutions. Um, So they all link into each other. So don't worry if you go to the People First book, you can get to the other ones and vice versa. I am on LinkedIn as Amy Lafco and um, you can find me on Instagram as well. Amy, uh, we didn't get to talk about your business name at all, the the Karen, which you use in your book too. Um, mm-hmm. But man, every time I see a Karen living at the beach, there are Karens everywhere. For those of you who don't know that term, that's the balanced rock stacks that if you could see our visual here, Amy has in the background of her of her, uh, of her her video. But I just think of you all the time because I, there's a thing at the beach. They're everywhere. And I always think about you and your principles. Amy, congratulations on one year of authorhood. That's so exciting. I was kind of hoping you were going to tell me about book number two when I asked what you're excited about. It's back there. (laughs) Yes. Brooke and I have had multiple conversations about it. It's back there. We're figuring it out. It is going to be around people first, specifically around the leadership side. Ah, very cool. Well, Amy, thank you for your time today. It's been a pleasure learning from you and and sharing your journey with listeners. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was great to talk with you. This podcast is produced by me, Stacey Ennis. Special thanks to Daniel Alexander for sound editing and Catherine Fishman for project support. These two make the show possible and I'm grateful. You can always access show notes, including any links mentioned in this episode at stacyennis.com slash podcast. And you can connect with me at stacyennis.com, on Instagram at Stacy Ennis, or on Facebook at Stacy Ennis Creative. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Here's to building lives that are beyond better.